0: Welcome back to Track and Field Black History. My name is Anderson, and today we have the pleasure of sharing a few conversations that we had at the 2022 fontaine Classic out in Eugene, Oregon, just a few weeks ago. We spoke to a few coaches like Dennis Mitchell, who's a three-time Olympian in the 100 meters back in the 80s and the 90s. He now coaches athletes like Sha'Carri Richardson and Kenny Benaric. He tells us the story of why he nicknamed himself the Green Machine to kind of increase his notoriety back in the early 90s. We speak to Allian Francique from Grenada, who is Grenada's first ever gold medalist on the track, winning indoor gold in the 400. He also coaches Fred Curley right now, and he talks about the importance of sports for young people growing up. We get the chance to dive in with Randall Cunningham, who's a football legend when he was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a father and coach for Vashdi Cunningham now, and he talks about his time in track before he got into the NFL. Finally we dive in with John Smith, who's a legendary coach for HSI, previously coached at UCLA, has coached a who's who of names in the sport over the past couple decades. He now works with athletes like Michael Cherry and Marie-José Talou, and he tells us some history about his time in Eugene and some tips on keeping your ego out of coaching. Also, do just want to note, before Prefontaine, about two weeks prior, I got the chance to really dive in with John Smith for about an hour and a half to talk about his history talk about his experience through the sport talk about his coaching and his time as an athlete so this conversation is a little bit shorter kind of following up on that but definitely tune in for that full interview in a couple weeks make sure you follow the podcast on all streaming platforms share with your friends leave a review and enjoy the conversations Feel Black History. We are here with one of the legends in the sport of track and field, um, both as an athlete and, of course, as a coach now. Um, we're speaking with Dennis Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so just tell us how you're feeling about Prefontaine Classic and your athletes coming up this weekend.
1: Well, I feel really good about where we are in our training right now. I'm excited to get my athletes on the track to uh, compete tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they're more than ready to run, and I'm happy for that. Um, we're just going to go out there and mix it up and see what we can do.
0: And like I said, so, of course, you were one of the greatest sprinters in the late <laughs> like 80s and the early 90s. Um, you had so much impact on the track in multiple ways, not only with your times, um, but also with kind of your personality. Um, so talk about why you kind of were pretty eccentric, right? You were pretty kind of um, you're very enthusiastic um, and how that helped you in throughout your career and on the track.
1: Well, I mean, me coming up as, as a young athlete, I came up in a time um you know in the late 80s where there were a lot a lot of great sprinters around at that time and i felt like i was getting kind of left in the shuffle um because i was out there winning races against some of these guys but i wasn't getting the recognition for winning so i kind of said to myself i said hey if dennis mitchell isn't going to be important then dennis is going to create a new character and i came up with a character called the green machine And everything went up from there. Yeah, 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 nice.
0: And do you have maybe one or it could be one or two impactful moments that you experienced throughout your career when you were running?
1: Well, there was really never an impactful moment in my Mm. career that defined who I was as an athlete. I think my entire career Mm. kind of was that for me um, because I thoroughly enjoyed that drink, Mm -hmm. you know. So I didn't really focus in on maybe one race or two races or medals or anything like that, it was just the whole journey of my yeah. career that was important to me. And and when I you know see people in the lobbies of hotels, or I talk to them at track meets, you know, we all share different moments in that journey. And that was fun. That's fun for me.
0: Um, and so when you were competing um, during that time, what was the camaraderie like amongst you and uh, the other sprinters? I know it was pretty intense for the most part, but did you have like a good camaraderie kind of friendly rivalry or was it just intense all the time?
1: I was friends with 99% of the guys that I ran with. Uh, You know, the unique thing about what we did way back in the 80s and 90s were that we were very fierce competitors. But what people didn't see is that we all hung out after the meet. You know, we all went to the clubs together. We all hung out. We all played, you know, there were no video games back then. So we played cards and, you know, and we all traveled together. So we were all in the same space a lot of the time. So we became friends. Uh, But when we were on the track, Fierce competitors. <laughs> nice. Um, and then last two
0: questions. Who were some of your role models growing up as you were getting into the sport of track and field and also as you navigated through your career?
1: Man, you know, I had one particular athlete that was my role model throughout the entirety of my career. And that's Muhammad Ali. I really loved him. I loved his 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 style. Mm-hmm. I loved his athleticism. I loved his political stance. Yeah. I loved everything about him. And that's the person that I really, really connected to mm. as I was growing up and, and modeled myself after as an athlete. Beautiful.
0: That is powerful. And then last question. So you did the sprints, right? You did the, the hundreds. You know, you dabbled in the, the 200 sometimes, right? And the, 400. And the four hundred. And don't know that. A little bit. A yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going I'm to give you a little... I'm going to cut those out. Mm-hmm. If you can compete in any event, track or field but none of those no one two or four no 60 eh.
1: what would you do shot put
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> Mitchell, shot put. Okay. oh
1: man that that event to me is is exciting it's mm. a very ballistic event yeah and it's just amazing how these guys can throw a, a, a put that dang on far mm. and i'd like to get out there and tussle with those guys a little bit <laughs> if i had a second event it would probably be high hurdles Nice, nice. Okay, wait. So
0: with the shot put, I mean the world record is almost—it's like twenty-three something. What yeah. do you What do you think you could have thrown? And so, I mean, that's meters. But what do you think you could have thrown? Maybe
1: I'm gonna say not that far. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have thrown a world record, but I would love to have competed against those guys. There you go. I, mean, you're I right. mean, I was a small guy, but if I had the size mm. and the power it would have been a shot.
2: There you go,
0: nice. Well, Dennis Mitchell, really appreciate you joining us for today and sharing some of your you know, your history and some of the things that you're doing, you've done and what you're doing now. And yeah, good luck with your athletes tomorrow.
1: All right, thanks man.
0: Thanks. Track and Field Black History. We are here with one of the legends in from the track and in coaching now, Eliane Francique. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And how are you feeling just about this weekend? You have a lot of athletes competing.
2: Um, i feel good good about this weekend uh, especially with the, the pre quantian classic as a nike athlete um, i am around here plenty of times representing nike so now you have athletes that running for nike have to come back so i do it both ways coaching and competing so it's, it's
0: exciting right nice. and yeah of course you were like you said coaching and competing previously as one of the great 400 meter runners um you know sprinters in the past Do you have like a favorite race or favorite meet or favorite moment from your career on the track that, you know, is really impactful?
2: Well, um, my favorite moment was in 2004 when I won the World Indoors. And it was the first for my country, my island of Grenada. So it was beautiful to parade the flag around the track and to hear our national anthem play. So that was a kind of proud moment for me. Nice.
0: That's beautiful. And like we were kind of talking about off camera, right? Grenada, there was you and then Karani kind of replaced you the, as the next generation, Rondell Bartholomew, right? But um, what, do you, what do you think of sprinting in Grenada and even just track and field in Grenada as the decades have gone on?
2: But track and field in Grenada is a big, 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 especially in the high school level. And we have, we have a lot of talent, but we don't have the resources. And I think if we have the resources like the bigger, more developed countries, We'll have more athletes coming out and it was fortunate. I was I was one of the fortunate ones to come out and um got the opportunity so I kinda explode and then I kinda how you call it inspired other people like Kirani, Randell. So now we need another generation to come up. So we need people to kinda keep pushing the youth. But I think COVID kinda hit hit us back because we didn't have the high school meet. For a couple of years, so I think a couple of the artists got held back. So hopefully, COVID gone away, so we could kind of bring it
0: back. Absolutely. Um And so yeah, yourself. You mentioned Karani James, right? Who are some of your role models when you were getting into track and field?
2: Well, some of my role models, <laughs> well, it was in different sport. Yeah. Like I, had, I had like cricket, so yeah. it was Courtney Walsh. I like Michael Jordan, and on the track, I saw always. Idolize Gregory Hatton from from him um, from Jamaica. Yeah. I saw how we want to want to be like him. You know, not always winning, but always was being in the final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, you're throwing it back. I, lo- I love that. I love that. And um, what?
0: How is it like important? What do you see in terms of the importance of not only track and field but just sports in general for young athletes as they you know do grow older and become adults and navigate into the world?
2: Well, sports. If if you're in a good system, it teach you discipline. It teach you how to how to go about life. Teach you how, like when you get older, but you have to be disciplined with it though, and you have to be around the right people that instill the discipline in you. So, yeah, nice. love it, love
0: it. Um, and so, last question: You competed in the 400 meters. You know, you you know, you dabbled in some other sprints as well. But if you can compete in any other event that was not your primary event, what would
2: it be and why? Well, yeah, I competed in the 400, but I love the 800, and I think I was a better 800 runner than a 400 meter runner. But I really didn't want to do the training for the 800. <laughs> so I would, if I have to go back in time, I would, I would do the 800. <laughs> what, but, what do you think you could run? Or you could have run. Yeah, I probably could have run 142.
0: Woo! Okay, 142. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you you would have been right up there with David Rudisha, maybe pushing on him. Yeah, by, yeah, but, yeah. A
2: lot of people don't know. I started running the eight, mm. but because of the training, I didn't want to do the training, <laughs> and I could run a good four. I, I just stuck with the four hundred.
0: Yeah, yeah. Real quick, can I ask you? Because um, a lot of four hundred meter runners, they do tend to drop down as opposed to go up. And I, I but I think of you know you speaking about you starting the eight. I think um, in the nineties there was Mark Everett, who was like a good eight hundred runner, but he was good on the four hundred, right? Do you think four hundred runners should try and dabble up to the eight, or maybe
2: it doesn't matter? But it depends yeah. because we have different type of 400 meter runners. You have yeah. the speed type and you have the strength type. Yeah, you have the speed type that could run one to four like Fred, and you have the strength type that could go four eight. Yeah, yeah. So it depends on on the athlete and and what they want to do. Nice,
0: nice. Alien Francique, we really appreciate you speaking. I, I think you should speak more. You are like you're dropping knowledge for us. So thank you so much for joining. we are here with track and field black history and we are joined by one of the legends in track and field for various reasons as um of course now as a coach um but we'll hopefully talk about a little bit in terms of his competing before his uh nfl career but um talking with randall Cunningham, thank you so much for joining us today and how are you feeling about uh just this weekend with fastai competing in the high jump
3: oh i feel really good i think that uh she's had about a week off (laughs) not a little lot but she's excited Uh, Nike built her a wardrobe, a brand new. I mean, when you see this wardrobe, it's really nice. So they're they're using her not just as a high jump, but they're using her in the fashion world, which she loves fashion. Mm. So it allows her to feel good about herself and to know that, you know, someone cares about more than just her being a high jumper. And uh, it's really good and I'm excited for it this weekend.
0: Nice, nice. So can you talk about kind of your background? So you you were just telling me you competed in the high jump in middle school, high school. Of course, you're known as, um, you know, a football player to the world. Um, But talk about kind of your upbringing and what got you into sports in general.
3: Um, I was brought up in Santa Barbara, California, and, uh, you know, my parents worked. So I was at the Boys Club. I was at the beach. Uh, I was just getting involved in every kind of sport I could, and I just loved everything whether it was uh, baseball track and field football Of course, I played a little bit of basketball it wasn't really that good, but um, When I when I was in junior high I started high jumping and they put a pit out there And I just ran and started jumping over it, and the next thing you know I was winning and in high school. I went like five feet six I mean not high school junior high I went five feet six and and I was the top jumper So I said I'll just keep doing it. so when I got to high school It just turned into more and then i was long jumping i I tried the hurdles but i pole vaulted instead and uh and i shot put it (laughs) believe it or not and just really had a lot of fun so track and field was like it's always been my favorite sport because it's so diverse nice Oh,
0: you're almost a decathlete a little bit right (laughs) nice nice um and so during that time and even transitioning into college and eventually football who were some of your role models that you looked up to whether that be in sports or even just outside of sports
3: uh, my role models uh, were simple. It was my was my brothers and then my brother Sam. He uh, played at USC, so we used to go down to the games with the Trojan. And uh, then he played for the NFL in the Patriots. And so watched him and really it, it showed me that if he could make it, I could make it. And so he would encourage me. And one time he came to me and he said, he said I asked him a question. I said, hey, do you think I could make it in the NFL? I was just in high school, my junior year. He says, yeah, your arm is as strong as the quarterbacks in the NFL now as a junior in high school. But you have to develop your leadership. Mm -hmm. So immediately I started working on leadership. So my brother Sam and guys like Doug Williams, you know, and um, Vince Evans, African American quarterbacks who, you know, I just really enjoyed watching because it gave me an opportunity to know I had a chance. Nice.
0: And, you know, talking about you getting being self-taught in a high jump and then even talking about you developing your leadership when that's like one thing you had to do. Can you talk about some of the things that you instill in Vashti and then even just other young athletes um, in terms of some of the things that they want to achieve and some of the work it'll take to get there?
3: Yeah. You know, I have, uh, I have four children, <laughs> Randall. Uh, the second, yep. he was a high jumper at USC, yep. uh, indoor and outdoor, all American, national champion. Um, Vashti, of course, is a professional. Uh, Gracie's at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. and Sophia's 10 years old, so she's learning <laughs> after all of them. But the things that I instill in them is number one, God. You got to have God first because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, you got to respect people and you got to love people. And uh, and when you have love and respect, uh, even though it's not reciprocated. Uh, what can happen is, is you can be successful because people will view you in the right light. So I teach them morals and character and uh, just really just developing themselves through studying the Bible and the prayer life to God.
0: And then um, thinking back to your career, uh, both in middle school, high school, and then, of course, as you became a professional in, um, in football, do you have maybe a memorable moment, whether good or bad, but something that you can look back to and, you know, something that was really impactful
3: you know, I have a lot of memorable moments. <laughs> uh, the successes of, you know, winning, uh, finally winning a playoff game with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the being 13-0 in high school, <clears throat> uh, winning the California Bowl at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, being with the, the Minnesota Vikings and scoring the most points offensively in the history of the league and being around so many great players and. I realize you know you can't do things by yourself. You gotta you gotta have a team. You gotta have good coaching, good ownership, and and, and that's part of life, you know. And I think it's in every aspect of life. So when I reflect back on my, my upbringing and my journey, uh, I just see so many good things, and I try to focus on the good. Nice.
0: And do you think? Because you're you know you spoke um, at the start about Vashtai with Nike and some of the fashion things that she's getting into. Um, did you ever receive? Um, Support from maybe role models or from others that you were growing up with in terms of preparing yourself after sports, right? And being ready for, you know, life as an adult after your, you know, your time in the uh, sports realm is over.
3: You know, it's funny you ask that because when I was playing with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, I signed a contract for $810,000 for three years. I was very good back then. I was second round pick. But then I signed multiple contracts. And the second contract I signed, I went to the owner, Norman Brayman, great man of the Philadelphia Eagles, and I said, Mr. Brayman, I said, you're paying me all this money, what do I do with it? Mm. And he said, ah, just buy some certificates of deposit and just let them keep stacking up, and then later on in life, you'll look back and you're this multi-millionaire. <laughs> and uh, that's what I began to do. I just took that little bit of advice, and uh, it really has secured my kids. They're doing good. You know, They're able to purchase their own homes and things like that. They're able to respect um, making money. And uh, so I pretty much instilled that into all the people that I coach. And it's all the same values. Everything's the same. Nice.
0: So final question for you. So, you know, of course you did track and it it seems like you did every event in track. (laughs) And then um, you went into football. But if you can compete in any sport that's not track, not football, what sport would you do?
3: Um... If track and field was making as much as football and basketball and baseball, there's no doubt I'd stay in track and field, individual sport. Uh, you really have to rely on yourself a lot as long as you've got a good support team. But yeah, I would be in track and field. Yeah.
0: Is there an event? And let's say like outside of the high jump, outside of the like, you know, some of the ones you did, is there an event that you would have wanted to do that you didn't get to?
3: Yeah. Um, that I didn't get to do. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was not a sprinter, <laughs> even though later on I developed speed. Mm. Uh, I always liked the field events yeah. and where there was a shot put and uh, people would see the skinny guy in the, in,
2: in the circle and
3: they would be like, hold on a second. that guy!" And I would beat them because my, my torque of my arm is so yeah, long yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just loved it. And they would be shocked that somebody so skinny could beat them. And so, but it would be nice to be a shot putter, but yeah. I probably would stick yeah. with the high jump. Oh, man
0: beautiful nice well thank you so much for speaking with us and good luck for um vash and I coming up on today <laughs> absolutely we are here um now in eugene oregon at the prefontaine classic and we're speaking again with john smith I have the pleasure of speaking with him a couple weeks ago now we're here in person um so john thank you so much for joining us again today you're <laughs> welcome absolutely um so first thing i want to start off with and i forgot to actually mention so I spoke with Steve Lewis um, about a week before I spoke to you online. Mm-hmm. And of course you have the 440-yard dash world record. He was mentioning that when him and Danny Everett, when they got to UCLA, they were like, we're going to be nice and allow Coach John Smith to just keep, keep his record because they could have probably broken the 440 yards. right? How do you feel about them as they came into UCLA as some of the strong 400-meter runners?
4: You know, I, I was uh, actually happy because you know, I, I ran fast in 72, mm-hmm. and, and as a coach, you always want to have your, 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 your students to run faster than you. Um, I'm not that egotistical, uh, thinking I'm gonna carry it. You know, I had it once, um, and once is enough, <laughs> and I had my time, and, and the sun and it's time for somebody else mm-hmm. and it would have given me great pleasure to have them be recipients um, of the uh, of the record if i didn't trip them before they got to the start of the finish line <laughs> that's <amazing. laughs> nice
0: that, that's powerful and then, of course, being here at Prefontaine, I mean, you go to so many different meets, but Eugene, Oregon, Prefontaine has, you know, such strong tradition and strong history in track and field. Um, what is it like coming back to Eugene? I mean, you broke your four forty yard world record, I think, in uh, in Oregon, right? In Eugene. In Eugene. So, what what is it like just being here and seeing all the history as it's played out over decades?
4: In our home. Yeah. You know, and. Back when I went in school, we had a lot of dual meets with uh, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, yeah. um, uh, Cal, Stanford, and so we we ran. Um, we got a lot of our running and stuff through dual meets. Mm-hmm. A lot of the competition, I, the best meet, uh, the one was real rough was uh, our, our traditional SCUCLA UCLA meet, the rivals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that yeah. was off the charts. <laughs> <joke. laughs> we. At UCLA, we had 12,000 people watching us run. Wow! from, who, from uh, the in um, the movie industry would come out there? Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was nuts. Um, that's when track and field was at its heyday. Mm. My best friend. Steve Prefontaine. (laughs) Yeah, we 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 knew each other. I remember I was in school with him. Mm. uh, We were in school together, so that's another uh, thing that's nice. Bill Barman, one of my mentors. Yeah, it was nice coming up coming up here. I would go sit with him in his house. Wow. Just to talk, uh, not necessarily about track and field, but life. Yeah. And um, and and it's just this is the richness of. uh, Track and mm. and um, when I come here, and, I, and when I come here, I feel, I feel genuinely accepted, mm. and you know, and everybody wants to know that they're appreciated. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'm, I'm moving around, and I, I, because when I come to a meet, I'm working, working, working. Mm. Then some people stop me and start saying, you know what? Blah blah blah. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I remember this. It's from the it. I was out of the track today, and I was talking to uh, Tyloo and Cherry. Uh-huh. Cherry had said, "Well, where should I move at?" And I walked him over to an area, and I said, "Okay." And then we started talking about what he's doing, who he has behind him, uh, where he needs to be positioned when he comes off the turn. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I got this buzz. I'm not, I
0: had to like, oh, let me go sit down. <laughs> oh man! And so those that mem- those
4: memories coming in, that feeling. Oh yeah, they are still thing. there. Yeah. Um, my uh, athletic prowess is not there, but
0: the memories are. <laughs> uh, you're, you're looking young as ever. But then even with the, you know, this new stadium. I, last year at the trials was the first time um, that you know they kind of unveiled it. Um, and now they have the world championships this year. How do you feel about, you know, that transition of, you know, old Eugene, old Hayward Field into this new kind of massive stadium where, you know, you're talking about at UCLA, you had 12,000 people come watch you. Most meets don't get that, but, you know, at the world championships here in Oregon, we might be able to get that.
4: How do you feel about you that? No, you're gonna get that and I mean, more. And more. I, know, I love it. I mean, it's, um, it's the old saying, uh, you build it, they will come. Yeah. And that's eye candy, like Mount Santa. yeah It's another stadium. It's eye candy. We're we moderating, moder- yeah. we're upgrading and uh, making it come into the new millennium. Mm. And it's nice to see the care of track and field. It has its place mm. uh, amongst um, basketball, yeah. football, baseball. Mm. See any of those sports I just named? You have to run in order to achieve the objective. Mm -hmm. Speed kills. Mm.
0: (laughs) Very true. Very true. When you're here in Eugene, when you're in Hayward, so um, either now at Prefontaine, you'll be back, you know, USA's, and then you have World Championships. But what's one thing outside of track? What's one thing you kind of to take yourself away from the track, or maybe a place that you like to go get some food while you're here in Eugene? Um,
4: You know. I haven't. Everything has changed. Mm. Um, we would go to. I know it's one place. Um, the electric station. Mm-hmm. Right over there across it. That, that's one of my one of my go-to places Nice, Nice. But nice. see, they put so much new stuff around here. True. Um, I, 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 matter of fact, those ten days I'm gonna be up here for the World Championship. Yeah. So I'm gonna sample some of the cuisine <laughs> up there. There you go. Some new <laughs> stuff. <laughs>
0: Nice. Um, and then um, you are there's so many different coaches at all these different meets who are also very successful athletes um, and have turned into coaches such as yourself. I mean you have Dennis Mitchell here, you know, like I mentioned, Harvey Glantz, um, Allian um you know, tons of different coaches. What is a camaraderie like amongst all you coaches, you know, when you do come to these meets and you have athletes competing, so you're kind of going head to head, but um
4: what's a camaraderie like? You know, I'm, I'm like this, I don't compete with coaches. Mm. I get the athletes that I work with fit enough to compete against the other athletes. And that keeps my ego out of it. Mm. Because if you take what you used to do on the track, and okay, you start coping from that standpoint, yeah. you're missing the whole point of you becoming uh, a master at what you do. Mm. And what happens is, you're gonna break something. Mm. When you're younger, yeah. of course it's there. But as you get older and sustain yourself, the your ego can't sustain. It'll yeah. get tired, get broken, make enemies, yeah. get kicked out of the sport, mm. start crossing the line, start doing things you're not supposed to be doing because yeah. your ego is in the way. Yeah, true. But when you take your time, I always tell everybody, you can achieve the ultimate goals that you want to coach. Or set them in that direction, Mm. like 138 for the 800, 19 flat, Mm. 42.5 for um, 19 flat for the 200, Mm. 42.5 for 400, um, nine nine four five for the hundred, and I always tell them I said, well, that's crazy. I said it's no different than uh, getting the address and going to a, a function. You have to have the numbers Mm. so that you can get your gps on there Mm. and to be able to follow it. i said i look at it the same way
3: Mm.
4: because i am on a journey Yeah. well what if you don't get there i'm gonna get damn close (laughs)
2: there you go
4: (laughs) right there you go
0: that's powerful and then actually very last question i promise you um what is one thing you're looking forward to um you know you have your athletes competing at the world championships now and you kind of have back-to-back, you have worlds, you have worlds, and you have Olympics and worlds. Um, What's one thing you're looking forward to kind of long-term for your athletes and as a coach?
4: Well, one, the the athletes are are the first and foremost. I'm looking to have them improve every year under my Yeah. So that keeps me focused on right now. Mm Because if I start thinking, well, 28 is my goal. but I'm not just 23 yet. Mm, yep. And I've had some people, no, no, no. If you're rolling, the only way that you can go forward
0: yeah.
4: is your, your, your tires have to be, and the wheels have to be on the ground. Yeah. Because if they leave the ground, um, you at the mercy of something <laughs> that you can't control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I keep myself grounded. Um, I'm not even worried about 23. I'm excited about right now, and and that that keeps me grounded. That keeps me focused, Mm. and that keeps me into uh, doing my my best work with the people who I work with. Mm. Yeah, very true. That's powerful. I like that.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Even in and now, well, Coach John Smith, again, amazing to have the opportunity to speak with you, and yeah, good luck with your athletes. Looking forward to seeing them do some great things this weekend. Very good. Absolutely. Thank you. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, follow on all streaming platforms, make sure you leave a comment, leave a like, leave a review, it really helps us out, and keep tuning in to Track and Field Black History.